Radio Craycon. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Get Your Creek On, a podcast about Jonathan Creek. Today it's time for Angel Hair, in which a philandering composer of musicals is confused as to how the hair of his illicit lover is chopped off right down to the skull, but then appears to somehow have grown back to full length in the matter of just two days. It's not exactly the most high-stakes storyline of all time, but nevertheless, here we all are again to go through it and dissect it like a... well, like a, an autopsy, I guess. Watching the episode before listening to this pod will be a beneficial course of action for you to take, so that you can enjoy slash understand all the context and appreciate just how clever the references and how brilliant the jokes are that I am making, so don't put yourself on the back foot through laziness or stupidity. Angel Hair aired on March the 8th, 2003. Now, live on the line right here is a guy from Australia, a nice guy, who is going to introduce the first main section of the episode. Here he is. Okay, mate, yep, after three. One, two, three. Episode Synopsis We begin this week with a composer, Dudley Houseman, playing a dramatic-sounding tune in his home studio. His assistant, Dorothy, heads in, telling him that his wife called to say that she won the award, whatever that means. She then leaves and, once safely alone, Dudley pulls out a DVD of pop singer Sally Ellen Oakley and watches the sexy music video while wearing headphones. Dorothy pops back in to grab an umbrella and, from behind, It looks to her like Dudley may be pleasuring himself. Shortly afterwards, a car pulls up outside and in comes Mrs. Houseman. It turns out to be Sally. She's just won the Britain's Tastiest Bottom Award and goes upstairs to get changed. The pair of them later head for bed and he tells her about the musical he's writing for her. He's heading off to Los Angeles tomorrow and she tries it on, but he's tired and goes to sleep, despite the fact we know that she's not only his wife, but his dream woman. The next morning and she's all dolled up again, heading off to a photo shoot with her driver, Angus. Dudley gets ready for his trip. Dorothy has got him a meeting with Whoopi Goldberg's People's People and he's dropping by his father's house on way to the airport to wish him a happy birthday. His father is a master craftsman of ventriloquists' dummies and happens to be working on one for a certain Adam Klaus at the moment. On the plane, Dudley meets Maria, an in-flight therapist and masseuse who instantly captures his attention and his heart. In the TV studios, Brendan is overseeing the edit of a home makeover show, faking disgusting interior colours to make things look like much more of a disaster. An envelope arrives and he reads the letter within as Carla arrives in the studio, having cancelled the gynaecological appointment she had due to the cancellation of her preceding pedicure slot. She gasps when Brendan tells her that the results of the test are very bad. Not his prostate test though, thankfully, as it turns out, but demographic ratings for the TV show. Carla reads Jonathan through some of the issues that viewers have had with his hair, his posture and his whining voice. She gets him into a makeup chair so the staff can try and sort him out a bit. 
Brendan suggests that on screen Jonathan and Carla should ramp up the sexual chemistry so that viewers will start speculating as to whether they're sleeping together. Jonathan's left with makeup artist Pam, whom Carla commiserates with for the death of her dog. Jonathan and Pam get talking, get on well, and then get on with arranging to go out for lunch together. Jonathan then takes a call from Mr Houseman Sr regarding the order of the new dummy. Jonathan wanted a dozen set of spare dummy's feet for the purposes of a trick, but due to an unfortunate misinterpretation of the instructions, Mr Houseman has actually built one dummy that's 12 foot tall. Pam and Jonathan go to the park, ostensibly for a walk, but she ends up treating him like a replacement dog, throwing the ball around and patting him on the head. Carla happens to be driving past and sees this happening. When Jonathan gets back to the windmill, the dummy has been delivered and he realises what's happened vis-a-vis -vis the misunderstanding. He heads angrily inside and finds a different houseman waiting for him, Dudley. Carla goes for her rearranged appointment at a posh Harley Street surgery, but is appalled to find a rap CD in the doctor's briefcase, Hose in the Hood by Booty Posse. This is shocking enough for her, but then she reads some of the lyrics. Dudley tells Jonathan that a woman has had a full head of shoulder-length hair cut off her head, but it's grown back in 48 hours. He tells the story of how he's married to Sally Ellen Oakley, but recently had an affair with Maria. He mentions how his PA Dorothy helped him out by arranging times and covering for him, while simultaneously telling him how she disapproves of his philandering. The previous day, Maria was at Dudley's house before heading away for a few days of airline work. Dorothy had a surreptitious rake around her suitcase and found a big padded envelope addressed to Dudley in strange handwriting. The pair of them hid this envelope and, shortly afterwards, when Dudley was having a kiss and cuddle with Maria outside, Sally turned up unexpectedly. Sally went absolutely tonto, unsurprisingly, and beat the crap out of Maria, even pulling her along the ground by her hair before forcing her to leave. Inside, Sally continues going apeshit at Dudley when she spots and opens the envelope from Maria's suitcase. Inside, there's a big handful of blonde hair and a VHS tape. They stick the tape into the machine, play it, and it shows a hostage video of Maria tied up. She's forced to read a ransom note on screen demanding Dudley pays £100,000 or else she'll be killed. A magazine is shown that proves that the video was shot in the last two days and then the hostage taker takes a pair of scissors and chops off all Maria's hair right down to the skull. Dudley gets to the end of this tale and then tells Jonathan that, whilst his marriage now appears to be over and that Maria is still missing, the biggest thing on his mind appears for some reason to be just how her hair has supposedly grown back within just two days. At the TV studio, Jonathan, Carla, Brendan and Pam watch the hostage tape back. Pam says the hair cutting's unlikely to be faked through use of a wig or a bald cap, and Jonathan wonders why about only quarter of the hair was sent in the envelope. Brendan takes the tape to the technical department to be checked over for whether it's been doctored. Jonathan and Carla head off to Dudley's house, and en route she confronts him about his relationship with Pam, saying that Pam's using him as a rebound from her dead canine companion. 
Jonathan's already worked out the solution to the hair-cutting mystery, although he isn't going to share with her what it is. She annoyedly puts on the Booty Posse CD for research purposes, much to Jonathan's surprise. Outside the gate to Dudley's house, they pull up and Jonathan seems a bit perturbed for a moment as he looks round the surrounding fields. However, he spots some bent branches on a bush nearby and tyre marks in the mud below, and all appears well again. Carla remains frustrated that she has no idea what she's meant to be looking for. Inside, as Jonathan and Carla arrive, Sally is heading away with a suitcase. Jonathan talks to Dorothy about the Maria incident. He notices a roll of electrical tape on the floor and finds that a small 5mm square has been cut off the end of it. In Dudley's studio, he plays one of his songs to Carla, and she mentions how it sounds a bit like Bob Dylan, a comparison that he's really sick of hearing. Carla notes also how it's good to hear some nice music these days, and that some music is just awful, referring to the explicit lyrics in the sleeve of the Hose and the Hood CD. Meanwhile, Dorothy shows Jonathan how digital manipulation can be applied to make things appear not as they seem, photoshopping her own head onto the body of a beautiful model, telling him he may want to refer to it later. Carla and Jonathan head off, and she still isn't able to work it all out. He shows her the roll of electrical tape, and scribbles some Bob Dylan lyrics down on a piece of paper as a clue. She reads them out, but is still none the wiser. At home that evening, she obsesses over the lyrics, trying to work out what they are alluding to. Brendan gets it straight away. The two verses to Blowing in the Wind are the wrong way round. Carla suddenly decides to head over to the windmill. At Dudley's house, he gets pissed up to numb the pain, and then calls Sally, begging her to come back home. She refuses, however, and we see that she's taken refuge at Dudley's dad's place. Dudley accuses her of being with Angus, but she says she isn't and that he's actually in Chicago at the moment. Dudley then tells Dorothy that she's taking him for a drive and they go to Angus's house. Turns out he'd been in the musical Chicago that evening and Dudley ends up getting a shooing from Angus's boyfriend. Carla goes to the windmill in the pissing rain and goes inside, but nobody's at home. Jonathan's out meeting Pam at the train station, and when they get back, Carla hides. Jonathan and Pam get their wet clothes off, which leads them to getting amorous on the bed. They end up in a strange position, and Pam remarks that they are the wrong way round. Suddenly, Jonathan's spooked when he hears a dog barking out in the rain. Carla simultaneously bursts out of her hiding place and berates Pam, and then the massive dummy appears at the window, having been caught on the windmill's rotating arm. All of this combines to freak Pam out, and she gathers her stuff before scarpering. Carla tells Jonathan that hearing the phrase, the wrong way round, has made it all fall into place for her. Dorothy gets the drunk Dudley home, and meanwhile his dad has a heart-to-heart -heart with Sally. He also realises that he has a spare dummy lying around that will do for Jonathan's original requirements. Jonathan and Carla head up to the houseman house and confront Dorothy, who set the whole mystery up. She arranged for a kidnapping of Maria to take place in order to help save Dudley and Sally's marriage. She made it look like Maria was faking her own kidnapping in order to get Dudley's money. She called in a few favours from contacts and planted the envelope in Maria's bag. When the tape went into the video player, it wasn't play that Dorothy pressed, but record. 
Maria had been jumped upon as she left the premises and dragged into a large van parked nearby. A camera from inside was beamed live to the appropriately tuned TV in the house and made to look like it was a recording. Maria was able to be dragged by her hair across the grass just moments before because it hadn't yet been cut off. The small square bit of tape was used to cover the red recording light on the VHS player. The kidnappers dropped Maria off at her home afterwards with strict instructions to never ever contact Dudley again. Sally turns up back at the house and goes inside, immediately heading upstairs to tend to Dudley who has spewed everywhere and this implies that everything is going to be just fine. We end in Jonathan's dressing room at the theatre. He's raging because the replacement dummy is from an old spitting image style show and features the head of the head of the TV network who just happened to be there watching the show that night and he walks past at that very moment, completely disgusted. Carla reads an interview with Doody T, lead singer of Booty Posse. It turns out his stepdad is Carla's gynaecologist, which is why the CD was in the office. We learn that Carla has graffitied the doctor's car with the words sexist pig, which turns out to have been both incorrect and unnecessary. As Jonathan rightly says, it pays to keep your hair on. <laughs> Episode Analysis In last week's episode, the central mystery involved several murders having taken place, and next week's may or may not involve a murder made to look like suicide, but on this occasion it was all about how a woman's hair could grow back in the space of just two days. So not exactly the most horrifying and gripping scenario on the face of it, but when we learn the details it is in fact all a bit sinister. Bundling a terrified woman into a lorry and confronting her with a huge pair of scissors makes for a pretty terrifying scenario, and should Dorothy have been reported to the police and the truth come out about all this, then she certainly would have been in a load of shit. Which is an interesting point, how often do Jonathan Creek mysteries actually end up being reported to the cops? Perhaps I'll put some stats together on this and release a special one-off bonus pod. I quite liked the idea of Dorothy concocting the whole thing in order to save Dudley and Sally's marriage. A more hacky storyline would have been for her herself to be in love with Dudley and therefore keen to break the marriage up, but that's actually the opposite of what happened. It's safe to say there are probably a few more straightforward or less high stakes ways of doing it than faking a kidnapping, but there we go. The idea of someone marrying a pop star and being disappointed by the reality of it was an interesting one, although the way that Dudley let this lead him to having an affair showed him to be a bit of a feeble streak of piss frankly. He was a complaining, self-pitying loser who really didn't deserve Sally, given she seems like a really fun and nice person. Luckily for him, Dorothy was cunning, devious and devoted as a sidekick and made sure that he didn't end up losing the best thing in his life. As ever, there were some very enjoyable and funny moments. The scene outside Angus's door when he returned from Chicago and then Dudley going on the perceived homophobic rant was brilliant and I loved the misdirected joke with the letter at the beginning when Brendan had his mind on the TV show's ratings rather than the potentially catastrophic outcome of his prostate exam. 
The whole thing with shocked middle-class white people dealing with the Booty Posse album was fun as well, particularly Carla reading out the lyrics. Seeing that, it did annoy me that her opinion of the Doctor was formed by the fact he listened to rap music. You don't have to agree with a band's lyrical content in order to enjoy it. For example, I'm pretty sure that fat-bottomed girls do not make the rocking world go round, but that's still a great song. One of the other storylines this week in Adam Klaus's absence was the ventriloquist dummies, and there were some scenes bordering on creepy with the 12-foot tall guy in the stormy night. Did the joke about that misunderstanding really work? I'm not quite sure. Jonathan would surely have referred to 12 pairs of feet rather than just 12 feet. But then again, old Mr. Houseman was perhaps a bit on the dotty side. The Pam and Jonathan tryst was also fun, if a bit silly, and I thought the moment when Jonathan realised that she might in fact be treating him as some kind of replacement for her dog was an important one, because Carla was the one who pointed out the possibility in the first instance, and she'd turned out to be right. We've seen previously that Jonathan went mental at Maddie for ruining his chances with a potential paramour, that was Charlotte and Black Canary, but on this occasion he didn't seem angry with Carla. Perhaps this can therefore be pinpointed as an important turning point in their relationship and a moment where the trust between them started to return properly. Jack D played Dudley, Caroline Carver played Sally, Sophie Thompson was Dorothy, Pam was played by Tamsin Gregg and Henry Houseman by Trevor Peacock. Writer David Rennick also made a fleeting appearance in the episode as one of the masked kidnappers in the lorry. And now it's time to move on to the celebration of Location Information Station. The house at which the majority of the so-called mystery took place is in the village of Chalfont St Giles in Buckinghamshire, and it's called Shrubs Wood. It's a Grade 2 listed Art Deco home which has been used as a location for all manner of filming over the years, including Midsummer Murders, Endeavour, Poirot and Miss Marple. It was designed by Eric Mendelssohn and Serge Clermeyev, and to answer the next question you're about to ask, it's one of only two residential properties they designed together during their working relationship. And if you're interested in this house, Please hold on for the next section, Creek Connections. Elsewhere in the episode, the scene where Pam takes Jonathan out for a walk and throws the ball around for him was shot in Primrose Hill in London, at the northeast side of the park there. When Carla's watching on from her car, she's sitting at the junction of Anger Road and Primrose Hill Road. And this is just round the corner from the Limonia restaurant, which may be familiar to you from way back in episode 1, The Wrestler's Tomb, when Maddie runs across the road to buy a second-hand wardrobe. Small bloody world. Creek Connections At 7 minutes 1 second, we see that the plane on which Dudley first encounters Maria is run by Irish airline Transair. Transair went into liquidation on October the 20th, 2000, 18 years to the day since 66 people were crushed to death in the Luzhniki Stadium disaster during a UEFA Cup match between Spartak Moscow and HFC Harlem. Much like Transair, 
In January 2010, HFC Harlem went bankrupt, at which point in time their head coach was a fellow named Henny Spijkerman. He had previously coached another Dutch football team called FC Emmen, whose main shirt sponsor today is a sex toy manufacturer called Easy Toys. A 2022 survey in the United States found that the most popular type of sex toy is the vibrator, with anal toys and lubricants coming in second and third respectively, if you'll pardon the phrasing. Vibrator is also the name of the fourth studio album by Terence Trent Darby, given a meagre 1 out of 5 stars rating by the music magazine Select. Prior to Select going the way of Transair and HFC Harlem in 2000, its list of contributors included comedy writer Graham Linehan, who co-created popular sitcom Father Ted. Father Ted was set on the fictional Craggy Island off the coast of County Galway in Ireland. As the song goes, it's a long way to Tipperary and, if you walk from the northernmost point to the southernmost point of County Tipperary, you will go from County Galway to County Cork. County Cork, along with County Kerry, is home to 80% of all people with the surname O'Sullivan. Singer Gilbert O'Sullivan has a song called Can't Find My Way Home, the lyrics of which make reference to Samson and Delilah, the musical that Dudley Houseman was adapting in Angel Hair. And that's not all. Gilbert and Sullivan, the famous theatre company, was founded by Richard de Oily Cart, whose granddaughter Bridget owned Shrubs Wood, the house in Angel Hair, for almost 50 years. Another Creek Connection, next time. Relaxation time. Tranquil, dreamy serenity. It's time for some autonomous sensory meridian response, also known as AMSR. Take the chance to recline, ideally on a chaise long if you have one, release the stresses of the day, and submerse your conscience in a warm jacuzzi of self-care. Let whispered Jonathan Creek content wash over you like the calm tropical waves of a, a tropical ocean. When the 12-foot dummy got hooked into the arm of the windmill, he was facing away from the building. But a bit later, he was facing into the bedroom window. Do they honestly think we wouldn't notice this obvious and amateurish blunder? Jesus. Caroline Carver, who played Sally Ellen Oakley, is married to Kenny Doherty, who portrays Detective Sergeant Aidan Healy in Vera. That's a good show. Why I bet, would you think you're doing? Jonathan and Pam would have noticed Carla's car outside the windmill when they arrived back there in the storm, surely. And why was Jonathan's hair wet when he had his hood up? It just doesn't make any sense. 
trans air went bust in October 2000, but this episode is from 2003. If the story isn't from the present day, then the BBC have a duty to tell us, rather than taking us for a bunch of total morons. Angel Hair is also the name of a hair extension company based in Milton Keynes. I, I, I don't really have any more to say about it really, but you can look them up if you like. Why was only quarter of the hair being in the envelope seen as a noteworthy thing by Jonathan? That doesn't mean anything really. Why did it set alarm bells ringing in his head? The synthesizer we see Jack D playing at one point is a Roland XP60. Its predecessor, the XP80, was used by Jean-Michel Jarre. An XP60 these days will set you back well, the best part of a grand, probably, which if you ask me is only going to ever be paid by someone seeking nostalgia, given the wider range of sounds and general digital capabilities of more modern devices. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Get Your Creek On and for your continued patronage of the show. If for some reason this was the first one you've tuned in for, then there are 19 previous episodes waiting for you in your podcast feed. So call in sick to work or cancel that long planned catch up with your best friend or send a WhatsApp to the bride whose wedding you're due at tomorrow and feign a gastrointestinal illness because you have several hours of pleasurable listening ahead of you. You can contact the show anytime by emailing getyourcreekon at gmail.com, by Twitter, it's at creekget, or by heading to the website, which is getyourcreekon.co.uk. Head to buymeacoffee.com slash getyourcreekon to donate to the show if you'd like. The next episode will be The Tailor's Dummy, in which an old fella flings himself to his death from the top window of the family home, and a masked intruder completely changes his very ethnicity in the blink of an eye. It's a darn good episode, so do not miss it. That's us for today, I will catch you later. My name's Toby, bye for now. Thanks for listening to Get Your Creek On. 